Chapter thirty six of the Expedition of the Donner Party and its Tragic Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Expedition of the Donner Party and its Tragic Fate by Eliza P. Donner Houghton. Chapter thirty six News of the Brunners. Letters from Grandpa. More than two years had elapsed since we had heard directly from Sonoma when, on the day before Thanksgiving, 1860, Judge Robert Robinson and wife of Sacramento came to the ranch, and he, in his pleasing way, announced that he and Mrs. Robinson had a little story to tell us and a message to deliver, which would explain why they had arrived unexpectedly to spend the national holiday with us. Then, seating himself, he bowed to his wife, and listened in corroborative silence while she related the following incident. Quote, Last summer, when the judge went on his circuit, he took the carriage, and I accompanied him on his travels. One day we stopped for dinner at the stage station between Sonoma and Santa Rosa. After we had registered, the proprietor approached us, saying, I see you are from Sacramento, and wonder if you know anything about a couple of young girls by the name of Downey, who spent some time there in the public school. He seemed disappointed when we replied, We know Donners, but not Downies. Well, he continued, they are strangers to me, but I am interested in them on account of their former connection with an unfortunate little old German woman who frequently comes in on the stage that runs between Sonoma and Santa Rosa. She carries their pictures in her handbag, and tells a touching story about her happiness when they lived with her. Just then the stage stopped before the door, and he, looking out, exclaimed, "'Why, she is among the passengers to-day. With your permission, I'll bring her to you.' He introduced her as Mrs. Brunner, told her where we were from, and asked her to show us the picture of her little girls. After shaking hands with us, she took the seat offered, and nervously drew from her reticule a handsomely inlaid case, which she opened and handed to us. An expression of pride and tenderness lighted her worn features, as Judge and I at once exclaimed, pointing to one and then the other, "'Why, this is Georgia, and this Eliza Donner. We know them well, and call them our girls in Sacramento.' She sprang from her seat and stood with one hand on Judge's shoulder and the other on mine, saying earnestly, "'Yes, you do know my children. Be they well and doing well?' We had to talk fast in order to answer all her questions, and a number of listeners drew nearer and were considerably affected as the poor old soul said, "'Please shake hands with me again for them, "'and tell them that you talked with their old Grandma Brunner "'that loves them now just the same as when they was little.' "'Judge and I assured her that we would deliver her messages in person "'as soon as we should get time to look you up. "'After dinner we saw her reseated in the stage, "'and the black silk reticule containing the picture "'was upon her lap as the stage carried her homeward.'" End quote. We learned from them further that Grandpa had been convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to San Quentin prison for a term of eleven years, and that Grandma had been granted a divorce and awarded all the property, but was having great trouble because it had since become involved and was being frittered away in litigation. 
The information given by the Robinsons increased our uneasiness for our trouble-worn friends. Since the tragedy, Georgia and I had often spoken of them to one another, but to no one else. We knew that few could understand them as we did, and we refrained from exposing them to unnecessary criticism. Anxious as we were to comfort them, it was not in our power to do more than endeavor again to reach them by letter. The first was dispatched to Grandma at Sonoma the day after the departure of our guests, and shortly before Christmas I posted one to Grandpa. The former was answered quickly, and so pathetically, that Brother Ben offered to take us to Sonoma for a visit in the early spring, and then to see what could be done for Grandma. The letter to Grandpa did not reach him until January 27, 1861, but his reply left San Quentin by Wells Fargo Express on the 28th of January. It was a brave letter, closing with the following mystifying paragraph. Though I may be confined by prison walls, I wish those dear to me to be happy and joyous as they can, and I trust in God to open a way for me out of here, when I can see you all, which will make us all very happy. Your affectionate grandfather, Christian Brunner. His next communication contained a thrilling surprise which cleared the lurking mystery of his former letter, and expressed such joyous appreciation of his regained privileges that I once more quote his own words from the letter yellowed by age which lies before me. Sonoma, March twenty fifth, 1861. Dear Eliza and Georgia, your kind and friendly letter reached me about ten days ago, and I would have responded to the same right away, but waited a few days, so that I could give you some good news over which you, my dear little girls, will surely rejoice, as you take so much interest in everything which myself concerns. This news is that I am free again. Last Tuesday I received, through the influence of friends, from the Governor of the State of California, a full pardon, and am again in Sonoma, and as soon as I have my business affairs in such a way settled that I can leave for a week or two, I will come up and see you. I have much to tell you, which you will better understand through a personal interview than by writing. Yours friendly, C. Brunner. Georgia and I felt this news was almost too good to be true. We wondered how soon he would come to see us, wondered also if he and Grandma had met, and were glad that we had not taken the side of either against the other. What next was the pertinent question uppermost in our minds? We found the answer in the Sacramento Daily Union early in April, under title of Romance in Real Life. After a brief review of the troubles of the Brunners and reference to their divorcement, the article announced their recent remarriage. This gratifying circumstance made our long-intended trip to Sonoma unnecessary, especially since the reunited couple seemed to have retained the sympathy and loyalty of those who had known them in their days of prosperity and usefulness. End of chapter 36